I'm gonna, it's gonna be the song. I already know. I, I already know. I'm gonna. I, I know that you're going to. You don't even do your earworm correctly, Stephen. Well, okay, mine, mine sounds like this. Do, 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 do. Oh, you're singing it wrong. That's the one that you started that. You Epi- episode that. four, we decide the theme song, baby. Welcome okay, to wait. Nonprofits. Welcome to Nonprofits. I'm Stephen Joseph Campbell. And I'm Frankie French. <laughs> and he is clearly, he's trolling me, right? Who is single <laughs> white emailing him? Oh, wait a minute. Are you single black emailing me? No, 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 no. I did get it all in Black Friday, but it was a completely different situation. So I, I just thought lockdown two, I'm going to lean into it. I'm getting only comfy white lady clothes. Look at this. <laughs> you can that. talk, you can say whatever you want about white ladies, but they have figured out comfort, baby. Look, and then this is fleece line. Oh my fleece, God. Fleece line. Oh, Shut the God. front door. That's so fun. This is the thing. If like someone like called me up and was like, hey, Frankie, real quick, we need to dress this guy as a douchebag. Give me an <laughs> outfit real fast. Hi, Legit would describe your right now outfit. Like, would a douchebag wear glasses like this? I don't think so. I mean, I'm going to say no because I am also wearing glasses very similar to yours. Also so I'm going to have to go glasses, with the very no. similar I forget that this is also, also going to be an audio similar. format. So it. let me just give a description. I'm wearing glasses that make me look like a sex god right and then then this beanie it's fleeced very comfy like and it makes my head very comfortable keeps me very zen and then i've got this thing and i got it off of amazon but it looks luxurious and it's very it's like a sheep wool that's been using like head and shoulders some part some shit like that with some soft okay that's a deep pull we have we have uh um one of our Lovely guest commented with a very fantastic suggestion. You need an indoor scarf, like 100%. Like maybe a little ascot stitch happening, just like right here. Oh, just like, you know what I mean? And then like maybe a pipe. I don't know how into it you are, but I feel a pipe. <laughs> if you want to like really lean into indoor comfort sex god, ascot pipe, that needs to happen. I, I think, okay, I will fuck with it. I will fuck with it. Thank you. Thank you, viewer, for your suggestion. That's one of our guests for Comedy Kicks Back. I don't want to say who it is just yet because I want to surprise everyone. But we do have Comedy Gives Back Waiting in the Wings, which is a phenomenal nonprofit. I mean, especially you and I being comedians, it means a lot to us personally. Um, And the majority, I don't know about you, Stephen, but the lion's share of my friends are also comedians. Sure. Um, And so it means a, a lot, a great deal to them, too. Um, and just to kind of say up top who they are. So um, Comedy Gives Back, we're creating a safety net for comedians in need. Um, and so basically they give grants and uh, things like that to comedians who have been out of work since COVID. I'm not sure if it's been before COVID or if it's just been since, uh, co- since COVID. I think it was uh, yeah. April when you all started, yeah? Yeah, so in April, um, which is amazing. You know, we don't often get benefits um, or, or are eligible for benefits that you know, the regular world is eligible for. So having an organization that focuses on making sure that 
comedians can meet their needs and eat and, you know, pay their rent and all those kinds of things is fantastic. It was always really impressive when COVID first started, there were some people that just acted quick, right? Like um, I was working with an organization that they were uh, immediately had changed their nonprofit, all facing like service uh, uh, service industry workers and, and, and uh, just, when I spoke to Jody first, that was like the first thing that popped up. Like y'all acted quick. Like, I think it was, yeah, middle of April when there was some serious fundraising already happening. That's like less than a month after lockdowns. Um, so yeah, really excited to talk to them. Um, one of the things that I was thinking about with, with all of this is I've come too far to give up on comedy and go towards another uh job another career and i was thinking my first my first job i was always just really shitty i was always getting fired at everything so the first first <laughs> my first job i was a carny right i was not allowed oh to, i was not allowed to have a job i wasn't old enough to have a work permit so i started traveling with people that were like working at carnivals like it was a rock That's climbing wall. so i'm sorry steven i know that i'm interrupting you and i apologize for nothing but this sounds horrifying you were too young for a work permit so you start traveling town to town with carnies okay yeah that sounds mm-hmm, sure that that, the good. kids the kids that were having parties that like we were like being the host of like I was like younger than the kids that were like using the rock climbing wall and I would have to harness people in but I didn't give a shit like but I was also trying to impress the 18 year old because remember how cool an 18-year-old was when you were like 14 years old? Um, I do. I remember specifically, I thought these this group of, they were probably like 17, 18 years old. And it was like a Saturday and I had rode my bike, right? I'd rode my bike up to my elementary school to play on the playground all by myself. Nice. I was so adult. And I was probably like 10 or 11. And there's these two boys, they were like 17, 18, so dreamy, right? And I was by myself, total nerd. I mean complete and utter nerd and I so I'm like okay in my mind I had no friends I was just there by myself I'm like okay I'm gonna totally impress these older dudes by doing a death drop off the monkey bars oh do you know what a death drop is um if it okay is it no you tell me death drop is when you sit on the monkey bars or just even like just when one of the singular bars you sit on the top of it and then you let yourself fall backwards and ideally, you swing up, release your feet, and land on your feet, and oh, everyone no. cheers for you. Ideally. In <laughs> this scenario, I sat on the monkey bars, I swung back, did not release my feet, and literally, face, I'm talking about face smack, in the dirt, passed out. Oh, no. Up, oh, yeah. And I wake up to these two older boys laughing their asses off and dusting like clumps of dirt and clay out of my, it was horrific. They but were not, they, were but not, they, they paid attention to you. 100% paid attention. And I'm sure they watched me cry on my bicycle all the way home. Oh. Like, it was so embarrassing <laughs> slash hilarious. So yes, I do know what it's like to want to impress older kids. <laughs> well, I, um, what was your like first job? My first job, yeah. uh, well, my very first job, I was a secretary at a law firm. Oh, uh, wow. That's right. Hard. Yeah. I was making bank too. I was making like 25 bucks an hour. I got spoiled. Like 
right out of the gate. Um, but subsequently, because <laughs> I too, Stephen, I always wanted to be an entertainer. I thought I would be a singer. That's what I thought I was going to do because music was my jam. Um, and so anytime I felt trapped in like a day job, I would have to quit. Like I've never really been fired. I would just, I'd have to quit because I couldn't take it. Um, so one year, actually three years in a row, uh, <laughs> I was the uh, Easter bunny <laughs> in the mall. You know, I'm talking full on the whole Easter bunny, the big head, you know, the floppy feet, floppy feet, Shut the, the fuck up, the blue jacket, the blue touch jacket, like the bow tie. <laughs> and let me just say this. I don't know what everyone's feels are on children. Um, they're animals. Like, I don't know. These kids, they would spit on me. I, I got peed on. They would throw things. They were, they were so. Well, you got peed on in the white bunny costume. So you just had a piss stain on the white bunny fur. It was actually a brown bunny. You know, so were they, these kids racist? I don't know. They could have been, but it was, it was a brown bunny. And he had, if I ever find one of these pictures, I have to find the picture. They're horrifying. And, and he had on like a cobalt blue tuxedo jacket and a white um, bow tie. And I would go, oh, hey kids. Like, no, I, you had yeah, to do- I, I, I did. Yeah, I'd have to do it. How long of a span of time during the year was that? That's like a, that's like a March and April joint? Yeah, it's like a a, a a four week period, something like that, over the kind of like the Easter holiday and like the week after Easter. Yeah, it was it was a nightmare. I I was a telemarketer when I was sixteen. First job, nice. That's where. Uh, no, well, the carny was the first job. Then I worked at McDonald's for two and a half weeks, but they fired me when I couldn't get a work permit because I was still too young. Because I thought that they just hired people that didn't need documentation, and that was what I thought when I was like underage, and so they didn't. They didn't keep me for very long. Then Jamba Juice, then I was a telemarketer. So I sold windows and doors to people that were living in houses full of windows and doors. And so we, we, we would just call, we would just call people on a fucking huge printed lead list that we would they just would call. Cuss you out every What's day. That? They would cuss you out every day. All the, well, at least one person. So every time somebody would cuss you out though, you'd put them on a shit list, right? And so by the end of the week, you would have like 10 to 15 people on a shit list that everybody had compiled in the room. And then we would all call them and tell them that they won a shopping spree. So we would sit around in You're like a, a monster. <laughs> we would sit around in a horseshoe of, of tables and <laughs> I would call first and I would say, hi, this is Stephen Campbell over here at Macy's. Your name's been entered to a random drawing. And guess what? You want a thousand dollar shopping spree here at Macy's. <gasps> and then they would be like, what? I didn't enter a shopping spree. I was like, did you use your credit card at Macy's? They're like, yeah. I'm like, that's how you entered. And so my Our name was Stephen Monster. We would tell everybody's name was Stephen Campbell, Stephen Johnson, Steve Stevenson, Steve Rogers. And everybody would say that their name was Steve. But when you tell somebody you're going to give them $1,000, they'll let you treat them horrible. And so we were teenagers and we had so much fun doing it. So from there, she would ask a bunch of questions. I'd be like, ma'am, I don't have time for your questions. I'm going to send you to shoes. And then the next person would go to shoes. And the one question he would always ask is, how many pairs of Crocs do you own? And then one time he's like, I'm sorry, sir, could you say that one more time? And he, and he puts it on speaker and the guy's like, I own a, uh, 13 pairs of Crocs. And then the whole crowd goes crazy. And then he sends That's it over to the jewelry. That's not a real person. That's hey. not a real person. There's no one that owns 13 pairs of Crocs. This, when, you're, when you are picking from a sample size randomly and then you only pick the biggest assholes, you're going to get asshole tendencies. That's Crocs, true. 
lots of Crocs. So we would go, then it would go to shirts, then it would go to jewelry. And then the last guy would only ask personal questions. So he was just like, uh, all right, sir, we're going to need to know when the last time you had sexual intercourse was. Maybe like, I don't think that's any of your business. Like, sir, I'm not going to jump through hoops to give you a thousand dollars. How about you? Just- <laughs> and without I'm not fail- jump through hoops to give you a thousand dollars, and then they would relay their sexual history to you. The reason yeah. I can rattle this off so quickly is because we did it so fucking much. But that was always his line. I'm not going to jump through hoops to give you a thousand dollars. Follow up question: Was this a group of white kids? Yeah. Most, okay. Yes, that's all, that's all white kids, a lot of them like super punk, like lots of gauged years and stuff like that in the crew. Well, um, I, have to love, I was a punk rock kid, so I have to I have to respect that. There's, I The gauged years, I never got it. But OK, so then the guy sends it to me again. And then I would say always the same stuff. I would say, uh, OK, you're going to be looking for uh, first off. I tell them it's for the L.A. Times. They need to wear their Sunday's best, be dressed as well as possible. And you're going <laughs> to need in men's formal wear. And I'd say, you're looking for a guy named Steve. He's about six foot four, always wears shorts, always wears sandals. Can't miss him. And so always <laughs> the same thing. So by the end, every single person's name was Steve and they're looking for a guy named Steve. So then we tell them all to go at 1.30 on Saturday. That was our lunch break. And we get really high and we go to Macy's and just watch Chaos and Sue every Saturday. Oh, hilarious. So, so these people are barging into Macy's like, hey, I'm looking for Steve, short pants, long socks, sandals. Got a thousand dollar shopping spree, make it happen. And then people yeah. are like, What are you talking about? And, and it you was guys always were sitting somewhere watching this happen. You're monsters. And so and it was always the hand picked the biggest assholes of a of a random sample of people. And Hilarious. so what I what I never really reflected on until way afterwards was how shitty it would be to work a Saturday shift at Macy's. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, never even thought of 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 them but um what i think about i think about how your group probably gave birth to the kids that were coming to pee on me or maybe it was your group that was just peeing on me when i was uh when i was playing the bunny rabbit i I mean it could it could be very well be the sons and daughters of those kids assholes yeah oh it could be those people's kids when COVID hit, I don't understand how the butterfly effect works. <laughs> I watched the movie with Ashton Kutcher. It lets you figure out time travel. You figure out um, how to live your life better. It's amazing. Okay. You know? I wish I could have shown that to 16-year-old Steven. Hilarious. When COVID hit, I was, um, it, was, it, I, it was bananas. I went from a working comedian to an unemployed actor. Like, I don't even know how <laughs> that happened. I wasn't acting before COVID happened. <laughs> like that wasn't a thing. Hey. And now I'm I'm auditioning all the time and just like fingers crossing, which is actually really cool. Um, it's a fun skill to build up. And another thing I learned um, since the pandemic, Stephen, you know that saying, you can't make a hoe a housewife. Yeah. You can. All it takes is a pandemic. I was out in LA, hoeing it up, chilling. I was single. I had no kids. I was just out there living my life, hanging with celebrities, doing shows, COVID hit. And now I'm back here in DC with my husband and daughter. Gross. Yeah. You can't absolutely make a hoe a housewife. All you need is just a dash of pandemic. That's all you need. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot of inertia to get over from hoe to housewife, but, but a pandemic will do it. A pandemic will, it it cinches the deal. I've considered going back to driving Lyft. I drove Lyft before, um, but Here's another thing I learned about people. 
I thought it was kids were monsters. No, they just grow up to be tall monsters. Like that's the only <laughs> I had this one guy try to get into my car. And any t- as a woman, especially when, when I'd have a, a, a passenger getting in my car, I asked them their name. Like, you need to tell me your name first. So I yeah. make sure that the right person's getting in my car. Because I've had the wrong person get in. Um, and this one dude, he was super drunk. And he's like, oh, dude, you, you, need to, you, need to, you need to tell me your name. And I was like, well, sir, for my safety, I want to make sure that I'm picking up the, wrong, the right person. And he goes, well, well, how do I know you're not going to rob me? And I said, sir, between the two of us, come on, you're like 6'3", 250, 260 strong. Like between the two of us, I don't think I'm a threat to you right now. Like I, I really don't think <laughs> that I'm going, I'm, I'm here with a big flashing lift sign. So at least at minimum, we know for sure I probably work for Lyft, right? We probably know that. <laughs> right. You on the other hand, drunk man standing on the sidewalk, you could literally be any person. I don't know who you are. Please tell me if you're this guy, Chad, I'm supposed to pick up or not. Like, that's all I need to know. He sounds like a Chad. I um Very much a Chad. He goes, well, you could rob me. And I said, oh, wow. I said, well, sir, um, white people steal too, because he was a white dude. I said, but, and usually it's other people. So I feel like I'm mostly in danger. <laughs> I love that joke. Okay. <laughs> But yeah, so that, that's been the nightmare hellscape that's been my life is trying to figure out if I'm going to be a clown uh, and do virtual birthday parties, um, if I'm going to <laughs> drive Lyft, or if I'm going to land a mega role and, and become Beyonce. That, that, those are my three options. That is a good time. to. So, so we've been doing a lot of corporate shows. We so have. anybody that's watching that needs a corporate show, we fucking got it. Anybody that's listening on the podcast later, we got it. We've been putting on so many corporate shows with Clorox and Twitter. And, and NBC. Uh, we did a show for NBC too. NBC. We've been, yeah. we've been out here just doing that corporate grind. Um, and we're cl- we do clean corporate shows. I know Steven's been Mr. Potty Mouth um, during yeah. this episode, but our shows are clean. Once I take these glasses off, I become way less of a pervert. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's weird. I don't understand. <laughs> Because I all I too oh I know what it is mine are tortoise shell around the edge, and that's what keeps me um, squeaky clean is the tortoise shell. Okay, word. I, I um I think we should bring our guests on. Cool. I feel like it. But let's um, so, yeah. Before we bring them on, I w- I would love to because uh, as we mentioned up top, their uh, comedy gives back. It, it basically helps to sustain the life of comedians while we're all kind of unemployed and living in limbo. And I'd love to, um, Stephen, I think it's a good idea if we play that clip they sent us earlier and uh, play the testimonial from, from one of the comedians. And then we can bring all those, those, these wonderful ladies on. Jared at Comedy Hub, are you doing it? Who's Hi, there? my name is Jasmine oh, Ellis. Nice. I'm a stand-up comedian and I'm based in Austin, Texas. And I just found out that I was a recipient of the Comedy Gives Back COVID-19 relief effort. What that means is a group of people who care about other human beings, and those human beings happen to be comics, decided to put together a fund so that comedians could have an opportunity to at least have some money coming in during the coronavirus epidemic. And I'm just so grateful. I'm so thankful to get this opportunity and to get this money because 
One, it came for me personally at a great time. Now I'm very, very lucky. It definitely could be way worse for me. I have a fantastic support system. I have friends and family that I know would always help me out. But the thing is, is I was in the position like a lot of us were, where we were making most of our money or almost all of our income from performing. I had pretty much gone down from 40 hours a week at my job till 10. So I was, I was making 10% of the income I was making before, but I was like ready to make that leap. And that's the thing about comedy is it's not something that just starts paying off right away. It takes quite a while to get to that point. I've been doing comedy a little bit over half a decade and to a comedian, that's no time. That's bare. I mean, a lot of the people that, um, we like to call you civilians, normal people with regular jobs, um, find out about people who blow up. You're like, oh, this person just came out of nowhere. No, they have been doing comedy 15, 20 years. So it takes a while to really make it in this industry. But in that meantime, you still have to live. You have to eat and get your teeth cleaned. And you know, I need highlights. Other people have bigger priorities, but you have to keep living. And thanks to the COVID relief fund, I'm at least in the position to keep putting out content for my followers and subscribers and take my stand-up comedy online for the time being. And, you know, I'm, I'm able to recoup some of the losses I had and merch that I bought for my tour. I actually had to cancel 13 dates that I would have had between March 18th and May 10th. Um, so it was, it was really disheartening, most of all because I just love performing. And it was sad to not get that opportunity. And I'm just really grateful to have the opportunity to keep working and just to know that I'm recognized by my community and to know that there are great people in the Comedy Gives Back Coalition. It's just called Comedy Gives Back and I feel like there's another word that should be the Comedy Gives Back Ensemble? Whatever, the Comedy Gives Back people, those good people, um, are paying attention to people who are hustling and working hard and who are funny and and are on their way. And I'm really, really glad that they saw me. So thank you again for this opportunity. And if you're a comedian and you are in a position where your work has been affected by COVID-19, which literally means any comedian, if you're a comedian who has lost out on significant opportunities, I really think you should look into this. So look into Comedy Gives Back. If you want to give to Comedy Gives Back because you like what they're doing to help people like me, please do. It's an awesome opportunity. It's an awesome organization. And I just love that they're saying, you know what? Art has value and comedians are artists and we value our artists. So thank you. Hey, let's give it up for that. That was a fantastic testimonial. And our, our ladies are here, Stephen. I'm so excited to have you guys. I'm going to introduce everyone individually. Um, these are the founders of Comedy Gives Back, Zoe Friedman, Amber J. Lawson, and my personal favorite human, Jody Lieberman. Welcome, ladies. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you guys so much. Um, please unmute your mics. We want to hear your wonderful voices. Thank you guys so much for agreeing. I know it was um, mildly short uh uh, short notice, but thank you guys so much for being here. Please, oh, each of thank you, you for having us. us. Sorry, you guys are hysterical. I was enjoying your preamble so much. I was, I was the one who who pitched the indoor scarf, and yeah. I wanted to be in on that conversation. And they were so, you guys are so funny. So that was thank really you so much. Thank you very much. We appreciate it. Would you guys mind, um, if you would? What I'd love to hear is if everyone could introduce themselves individually. Um, just tell us a little bit about your background. And then if one of you, if you could decide one of you to kind of tell the backstory of Comedy Gives Back and how that came to be. 
Absolutely. I'm Zoe Friedman. I'm a um, second generation comedy fan dork uh, lover. My parents started the Improvisation Comedy Club in New York in 1963. Shut your wow. face <laughs> down. I'm so sorry. Friedman, did you not? That, now everybody say, oh, I didn't freaking know that. Oh my God. That is fine. He's the queen of comedy. But I love comedy and have been in it since birth because the club mm -hmm. was born before me. I'm old, but not that old. And uh, I, um, you know, I joined with my partners and we'll tell you our story in a second. But because of like my unique connection to comedy and I saw my parents love comedy you know, and build this business from a bar, you know, like a soapbox in the 60s with a bar or coffee to, you know, what it is today. And I saw them take care of comedians and I saw and felt and lived the transformative power and quality of comedy, right? I get to laugh and it became my career and it uh, is kind of my hobby and it is my connectivity and relationships, right? With Jody and Amber J here. So, um, I'm excited to tell you more about Comedy Gets Back, but I'll let the, my, my partners talk about themselves because they are awesome uh, women. Uh, yes, yes. Thank you very much, Zoe. <laughs> oh my God, I'm like bowled over right now. <laughs> because, I, I'm sorry, I just, I'm sorry. So- Let me go get my monocle, <laughs> hold on. <laughs> the improv, the improv brand, that's like, that's comedy. Like that's- First comedy Everyone's connection mm -hmm. to comedy. So I'm going to shut up. Uh, Jody, if oh, you we can go there, Frankie. Trust me, we can chat. We can yeah, talk offline another time, but please, know. it's not about that. That's a whole nother podcast that you <laughs> should absolutely get going. <laughs> Amber J, let's introduce you, please. Tell us who you are. I am Amber J. Lawson. I'm a nice girl from the Midwest who've been <laughs> corrupted by Hollywood. But for the good of all, my vision in the world is to raise the vibration of the planet through laughter. And I came together with my two best friends in the whole wide world to do that. And I'm so grateful that 10 years later, here we are, and we'll go into that. I, um, I came to Hollywood as a performer. I'm a Second City alum. And, oh, wow. I, and I became an independent producer and executive in the digital space. So my roots are in digital content, I birthed mail order comedy, which is Adam Devine, Anders Holm, and Blake Anderson onto the scene, as well as Jillian Bell and many others through our show Comedy Cocktail in Hollywood, and then National Lampoon, and then many digital platforms, AOL, Babblegum, and beyond and use my digital content prowess in order to be the technology and comedy and charity piece of this. I also run a company called Good Amplified where we amplify the good of nonprofits across social media. And we work with XPRIZE and Make-A-Wish. And my vision is to impact a billion lives through Ugh. social media. <laughs> the other piece is this is crazy. And activating the divine feminine through yes. goddess process, oh, yes. which is it, which is definitely like <clears throat> where we be now. A bunch of goddesses coming together yes. to create a ripple effect and a legacy on the planet. Ah, uh, okay. 
You ladies, seriously, I'm going to punch all of you in the face. Listen, <laughs> bananas. Is that a good thing? That's a good thing. Right? It's a good thing. Yeah, yeah. She says that a lot. Punch us in the face, but it's a great thing. Yeah. So if I want to punch your face, that's a good thing. Like you guys, I'm just speaking for three legends. Like I, I know Jody's story. You guys are just freaking secret legends. Okay, Jody, please introduce yourself. Oh my, I'm gonna die. Okay, that's ridiculous. <laughs> I love you, Frankie yeah. and Stephen. You guys are great. Thank um, you. I'm Jody Lieberman. Um, I am. A nice girl from Montreal, Canada. Montreal. I, um, <laughs> I was uh, a kid who loved watching sitcoms and loved watching comedy. And my first job when I was in university, I actually interned for the Just for Laughs Comedy Festival. And when I graduated, I got a job there and worked there for you know over a decade. Um, starting as an intern, basically, and working my way up and eventually running the festival. That's and then after I did that, for a while. Okay, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> and, you know, discovered many talents, including, you know, Jimmy Carr and Dimitri Martin and a bunch of other comics along the way. Um, I decided that I can only do so much with them at Just for Laughs. And I really want to help them and take control and, and help their careers. So, I had an opportunity to go to Los Angeles and to start managing. So I took that opportunity and I did that and worked at a couple of companies. And then I started my own company. And then I had an opportunity to come to New York and work at VH1 doing um, talent development and series development for them in the comedy space. And I still kept my company going with my clients. And now I'm doing that and managing a bunch of talented people, including Miss French. <laughs> and um, and then we, you know, been doing comedy goes back for, you know, we've been around long before the pandemic happened, but it definitely like jolted us into, you know, this other territory with the pandemic. And um, I'll let Zoe tell you the story, but we have been around and working really hard and using, you know, charity and comedy to do good for others. And then, oh, wow. uh, you know, two years ago, we kind of shifted our, mm. our focus and started to focus on the comedians. Yeah. I so, it. yeah, I mean, this powerhouse of uh, one night, faithful night in 2011, I knew Jody for a long time as a booker producer and I knew Amber J and we saw each other at the improv, you know, where we, you know, laugh and drink and have a great Dang. time. And they came up to me and I had been at Comedy Central for about 10 years at that time. And they said, do you believe that we can change the world through laughter? And that's all anybody needs to uh. say, start me talking. And I was like, yeah, funny you should mention that. I was thinking about that. I had a dream last night. Now, you know, so we joked three girls walked into a comedy bar and decided to change the world through comedy it's a mouthful but um no we did we started working and doing comedy charity which had been around I mean that's a that's a partnership you know way back Friars Club and thanks to Amber J we added this kind of technology piece to it and we did live stream comedy events but we weren't a nonprofit. we were partnering with other nonprofits and using comedy like to to fundraise right do a comedy night and then we'd live stream it and we sort of played around with this emerging digital live stream market and we did in 2013 we did a 24-hour digital telethon which sure. raised money for uh, malaria no more we live stream shows from australia and london and new york la um and we had 
24 hours of comedy content and we three, I mean, that was a bit, so that's what was our original kind of vision, but it was always about that sort of kind of transformative, you know, piece of, of laughter and comedy and, and raising money. And then we had this epiphany. We were in Montreal one year and a comedian named Mo Mandel, I'm sure you guys know him. He was doing, we, every year in Montreal, we do a Hope and Cope show, which is a cancer resource center. And we yeah. bring comedians and this is the, the, the pitch for the comic. Imagine you're said comic, Frankie and Steven. And I say, hey, we have a show. Um, it's at two o'clock, three o'clock in the <laughs> afternoon in a townhouse in suburban Montreal. Uh, and oh, it's cancer patients and their support. And there's no air conditioning, no PA system and no stage. Perfect. Do you want to do it? And, and you know, and I do. people line up because, I mean, Jimmy Carr got mad at us one year. He always did it. Adam Hill started it. And Jimmy, we gave him a year off. We felt bad to go to the same people, but he yeah. was such a hit. And he goes, oh, I can't believe you didn't ask me. He was like, Matt, it is like one of those, you know, so we were always playing in this environment of using comedy. And then Mo Mandel joked, like, if you won't, you, if you want to do stand up and not get paid, hang out with her, meaning my partners. And I laugh and I go, ha ha. And, and then we kind of said, that's it. Like nobody's fundraising for comedians. There are people yeah. fundraising for malaria. There are people fundraising for cancer resources, all incredibly important absolutely uh efforts and communities to support but absolutely. really stand up said yes all the time and obviously we have deep connections in the comedy community they say yes for a number of reasons we've given them jobs we've you yes. know kind of uh, brought them in on so whatever many different things um and um we decided that that was going to be our mission and we we pivoted and we got our we started filing for our own 501c3 which we now are and then we were getting ready to start giving grants so there's a there's an organization called music cares you mm -hmm. guys might know it or an actors yep. fund and they were sort of doing exactly what we wanted to do and then we go shame on us in our community that there's not one organization doing that for stand ups and they have such a similar lifestyle as to the music the musicians and being on the road and addiction and chemical you know all of it and that's kind of became our mission we started we were ready to open up these um non-pandemic grants for hey i'm on the road my car broke down hey you know what did jasmine say my I, my teeth needed cleaning or my tooth fell out i'm a comic i have an audition i need you know um and um you Reggie really Watts just just to like oh, drop yeah, that Reggie in Watts, on yeah. both sides, right? Reggie Watts got it from Music Cares and it helped him and saved his life to pay his rent for one month. That was that bridge that he needed so he didn't have to live in his car. That was the idea. And that's the, our continuing idea. But the then pandemic happened. And then every comic lost all access yeah. to income. Okay. I mean, there are comedians yeah. who have podcasts and have written and get residuals, but the majority are working comedians who have no other ability or no other you know avenues to revenue they have no income and even ones that do everything dropped right like yeah, merch sure. like jasmine said so that became our work and we did a fundraiser on april 4th called comedy is back laughing is my poster of 90 comedians said yes to doing this live stream digital telethon again. <laughs> we, we thought we were out of that business. On April 4th, we did an eight-hour amazing uh, fundraiser with 
podcasts and hosts. And, you know, it was just a really unique variety type thing. And we raised, thank God, I mean, we for over 4,000 individual donations, like in terms oh, of like wow. who gave like four comedians and Adam Sandler and Howie Mandel and Bob Saget oh, wow. and Rob Roy Wood Jr. and Paul Sher. I mean, the list goes on. Um, I think I hosted one of those segments. You came on, yeah? Yeah, I hosted one of those segments. Yeah, it was was incredible. Absolutely incredible. Yeah, it was really... And it was early on in the fundraising of the pandemic stuff. We just kind of like did it within three weeks. Like you said, Stephen, like some people start went into action mode. That's what we did because we were ready. We were ready to open our sure. coffers, you know, and then the it's coffers- what we were built for. It was really what we, we are were an, built a, an overnight sensation 10 years in the making. <laughs> and, yeah, and that's right. right. Just like, sure. you know, it takes and just like any comic, that's right? right? Just like like they're like, where did they come from? Right. Well, they've been slugging it out for <laughs> 10 years yeah. trying to figure this out. And here, here's our moment. Right. And we were just ready to go. And since April 5th, we started giving grants. And so we've given close 700 grants to comedians around the globe, actually, not just in the, and um, yeah. So amazing is the vision that you all had, because like you said, this is a road you guys started down long before the pandemic was even a thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then for that to culminate into this exact right moment, for this to kind of burst and move forward. You know, I think it's, this is a, there's this weird thing in comedy where comics, you know, look at what happened to Tiffany Haddish recently. You know, hey, come and host the Grammys for free. You know what I mean? Comics aren't seen, standups aren't seen for whatever reason, musicians are, actors are, but for whatever reason, comics are like viewed as these entities that w- will and should work for free or, oh, well, you're not a comic anymore, so you should go back to your regular day job. And it's like, but comedy is actually my regular day job. You know what I mean? Like, that's the thing that I do that takes care of my family. You know, so the, the, for you guys to have the fortitude and the, and, the, and the vision to say, hey, this is a gap that we need to fill and to do that. And then the timing to just be so perfect. I mean, that's amazing. That's a testimonial all in, all in and of itself. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Well, it seems it like that- comics kind of fell through the crack. Like, are they actors? Are they writers? You know, some mm-hmm. of them are writers, so they get the WGA. Some of them are actors, so they get insurance from SAG. And there's a lot of that, just comics who are cruise comics, road comics, you yeah. know, and they kind of don't have that safety net. Mm-hmm. 100% true. And so how can, how can comics approach you guys if there's any comics listening right now? Oh, great question. Well, first of all, everything's on our website. So comedygivesback.com is is kind of like, uh, you can find resources there. You can apply for the grants there. There's a get help page, which has uh, resources and 800 like suicide prevention lines, disaster, distress line. We have partnerships with the mental health community. We're offering free access to mental health through the D.D. Hirsch Mental Health Services. So if anybody needs any of those services, it's all on the website. Uh, you could also email okay. help at comedygivesback.com. That's help at comedygivesback.com. It's a confidential email line and somebody will get back to you within 48 hours with some response resource. Uh, of course, if it's an emergency uh, I should probably have the number memorized, um, the the, national, the suicide prevention hotline. But it's a, it's also our first COVID Christmas and holidays. Like comics yeah. are not you are not 
set up to be alone. They are relation. I mean, I know a lot of them are misanthropes and getting me alone, but, but we all need to be in our, you know, messed up groups of, of comics and, and, and be, you know, I don't know. I, I think that yeah. we, we really have to be there and make sure we're talking about suicide and that we're talking about mental health and not, um, you know, uh, perpetuating the stigma mm-hmm. around mm-hmm. it. We've lost too many, right? We've lost way too many. And that we hope that we can be there so we don't have another Brody Stevens and we don't, like we, we, we have to all stick together and know the signs. We offer these Comedy Is Back Connects uh, every other Thursday of the month on our website and join our Facebook group, our community um, and resource group. Actually, that's where we also share a lot of our upcoming programs. So we have suicide prevention outreach. We have how to file for EDD, how to get covered California, how to work on your social media, on your brand, like things that really we hope are tools and resources for comics. So all of that is available at our website. And again, wow. help at comedygivesback.com. We'll get somebody with any resources, anything we don't know, we will find out and get back to you. So that's oh, our- phenomenal. You guys are literally hey. comedy angels, just like dancing on the heads of pins. Oh. <laughs> the suicide prevention hotline number. Um, I have it. I'm going to share it with you guys. And please feel free to post the number anywhere you'd like. Share it with your friends and family. Um, because you. even if you don't know someone, you know, you're not conscious of knowing someone, there very well could be someone in your life, in your circle, that's looking at your feed who needs this number. So mm-hmm. feel free to share it. The number is 1 800 273 8255. I'll read it again. That's 1 800 273 8255. If you're feeling unsafe uh, in the immediate, you can call that number and someone will be on the line um, and be there to talk to you. Um, and, and, you. and Frankie, also, if you don't know, if, if a friend or somebody's like, hey, they're not calling me back, I'm worried about them. They also will talk you through that. It isn't just for mm-hmm. the person. If you are feeling suicidal, it can be uh, a friend and they will talk you through. It is like, yeah, it's really good to know. And also the disaster distress line. Also, because I think people fe- feel like, oh, the suicide prevention hotline, I'm not suicidal. But if this pandemic hasn't created anxiety for those who even had no anxiety or feelings of like, we're all in distress. And there is an 800 number, which I'm going to get you also right now that we can maybe share. Yeah, absolutely. And anyone, hey, viewers, as you're watching this um, wonderfully hilarious, informative and poignant show right now, (laughs) um, (laughs) there should be an option to donate, right, Stephen? We have a link where you can donate Comedy Gives Back. Hey, uh, Frankie, uh, just to let you know, the uh, suicide prevention uh, lifeline number is on screen right now. And oh. also, the uh, donation link is in the chat. Thank you guys so much. Oh. Thanks, Jared. Give it up for Comedy Hub. Yeah, that, that's amazing. That's Jared, um, our wonderful producer behind the scenes uh, from Comedy Hub. Give it up for those guys for this yeah, I just so one of the things that I've I've always used comedy as a fundraising tool as well, and I've been very lucky uh, this year that we've been able to raise a lot of money for like American Cancer Society and a lot of groups uh, here in New York that are doing like uh, deliveries for shut-ins and in, in around here in New York. I guess shut-ins not the word, but just people that are not able to leave their houses because of COVID. Um, so it is something that I didn't even realize t- to the extent that the work that you guys were doing. Um, and 
as somebody that likes using comedy as a fundraising tool and watching somebody do it um, at a much higher level, uh, it's very admirable. And I do really appreciate the work that y'all are doing. Um, Steve and I also have a show called French Roast that we do together. Um, and we utilized that kind of early on in the pandemic. Um, and, and nothing, com- you know, is very dr- small drop in the bucket, comparatively speaking to what you guys do. But kind of an, I think I want to say it was like a 48 hour turnaround time. We did a roast to 20, a roast of what did we roast? 2020? Uh, I think we called it the roast of America, but oh, it the was roast of America. That's what it was. And we raised fifteen hundred dollars like that. Okay. that yeah. yeah. Which is which was really, really cool. And then so we then we raised eleven thousand a couple yeah. weeks ago. And then in February, we have a month long uh, thing that we're doing for all black oriented causes. The first week is black business. The second week is incarceration and recidivism. The third week is black youth. We're partnering with America's Promise Alliance. I don't know if you're familiar with them, but um, conglomerate of 450 different nonprofits, including the Boys and Girls Club United Way. Uh, we're partnering with Lululemon. And I probably shouldn't say the other sponsors until they're all the way locked in, but, it, but it's looking like some other really big sponsors as well. Um, so yeah, I, just to say um, a lot See, of the work. You're trying to cram it in your faces that, oh, look at me, I do charity too. <laughs> No, I'm just trying to relate here. I acknowledge okay? your charity and <laughs> I want to support you in that. And what uh-huh. we have to support you in that is we have a BIPOC fund. Well, we are giving away $500 grants to the BIPOC community. Comedy so when community. you go to our site and, and you are BIPOC identified, there is a another bucket of money mm-hmm. that is just sitting there. We're white. We're like, we just let me it. give you this money already. <laughs> so my BIPOC yes. folks, if you don't know what that means, if you're watching this, it's black, indigenous, P- and people of color. Um, you know, depending upon comedians how- of color, we, well, call, we it call it bicock, bicock, Amber, Amber, <laughs> Amber, <laughs> Jake. Can I say that that you're uh, you were giving me like uh, car salesman on a commercial energy with like take this money now like you just like <laughs> well I got it you want it come get it <laughs> you the money's just rotting away take it take it you got right. it. So what's the thing? that's all on our website again if you go to our website you'll see the BIPOC fund and you'll see our COVID nineteen emergency relief grant fund so all that information is there and. You know, there's a little bit of paperwork that has to be done. They have to prove that you're a comic and that you've made between X amount of dollars and Y. I think it's like $12,000 to $150,000 and we'll give you a grant. And, you know, it's $500. It's, you know, not that much, but it puts food on the table, helps pay for for rent, helps pay a bill. And we want to help as many people as we can. And it's 500 more than was in your pocket before. And if there's anything a comic can do, it's to stretch money. That's there true. You go. Can- <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. It means a lot, for sure. And then we send it, like, we send it via PayPal. So it's Word. in your account. It's not like some rigmarole. Like, once you're verified, it's done. We're going to need to have each one of you guys individually because I feel like all y'all do way too much to pack into one episode. That's right. We are abundant, full embodied (laughs) goddesses who are impacting the world at mass scale. 
I fuck yeah, with it. You know what, Amber? I need to say this to you. I, I, I work with this group of lady comics who are also like super spiritual goddess, like crazy women. And we do these moon cycle um, oh. kind of events. So I'm going to invite you to the, but all three of you, if you'd like to come, I'll send you the information. They I host so- Goddess Church. I just okay, said, she just did a every, every, moon, every full and new moon. Okay, so you're already about in the best way, relating, it. relating. You're already in there. Yeah, it's my jam. You had me at hello. You had me at moon. Yeah. <laughs> had me at, uh, yeah, new moon, moon possibly. This is great. Like, I love the fact that we're all connected and we've all made these connections. Are you trying to get us off? Are we done? I know. No, no. We have, we have, uh, we have like seven more minutes. But still, I'm, I'm just. So here's what's happening. I'm, I'll just be honest. I am was excited to have you guys on, just in general. So I love what you do. But then realizing, I, I'm not a person that cares about who people are in the sense of, ooh, that's so and so. I need to get close to them. I don't really work that way. But finding out who you women are, like what you've done in your life, the thing is blowing my freaking mind. Like it's literally blowing my mind. Yeah, it's been cool to chat with you guys. This is bananas. You're freaking the improv. You're the freaking improv. I want to punch your stupid face. Like, bam, Again, bam, she, bam. she means that. I, I, mean, I now on my heart's wide open to that. I, I receive. <laughs> I feel it and I receive. <laughs> I, I, I have the group. Yeah, I am the luckiest person on earth that I got to grow up laughing like that, you know? One of the things that I think is uh, unique at this moment in time, a year ago, basically today, we recorded with 60 comedians. We like to do the volume 90. <laughs> we do it, we do it in volume. Volume 60. We, we recorded a song called Christmas Magic. Huh. So we are and we own the song. Universal gave it to us. All the people gave it to us. They came in. It was the We Are the World of Comedy. And we want it to be the new Hanukkah song. And every <laughs> dollar, anytime you listen to it, it, it comes to Comedy Gives Back. So listening it. is given, giving. It's called Christmas Magic. You can play us out with that. it. You oh my God, play. we should play it out. I'll I send the right link. Here. I'll send the link. I have okay. it right here. It's in the chat. So hey, we Jared, popped it in the chat. Jared, when we wrap up in five minutes, Jared, can you play us out with that song? That would that would be fantastic. That'd be amazing. And then when we start posting these um, as a week as weekly episodes, we'll be sure to include that um, the link to the song. Great. In the yeah. description, so people can check it out. That's amazing. And just put it on your Siri or Alexa and play it over and over, like on repeat while you're out, because that will help us. Yes. It's, um, and, and it brings joy to your heart. It's like, really, it really does. Does. It's so much fun. There, like is to the, see the thing. Yeah. there is a thing that when in January and February, I, I think I did like 40 shows, 30 shows in those two months. And at that point, I was just kind of like, thinking about this so like methodically, like building the jokes and stuff like that. And until COVID hit, I didn't really realize the social utility that laughter and comedy had. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is kind of cool that you guys have been able to stay with that mindset and not get jaded by it, if that makes sense. I just feel like for so long, I was just so deep into it that I wasn't even thinking about like the good that comedy is doing. It was just kind of like, how do I get better? How do I tweak this joke? Yeah. How do I... Um, so it is really cool to see that you guys have been able to maintain that mindset 
through it, it through it all. You guys have seen a lot of comedy and it's um it is dope. I don't know what I'm trying to say, but I appreciate you guys. It's incredible. I mean, look at and Jody went from interning for JFL to like running it. You know what I mean? Like that's stupid. It's just and 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 any comic watching this, I mean, you know, JFL is the dream. That's you know, when when you find out about JFL, I know for me anyway, I can't speak for anyone else, but I'm like, I have to get there. I gotta get there. I don't know how to do it, you know, because you know, you gotta kind of comedy is funny in that way too there's not really a set path you know what i mean there's not like oh well you do these things and this will happen no that's not how comedy works comedy's like here's the things you could do i don't know how to tell you to get there just keep doing that shit and something one of those something's gonna happen we don't know what it could be nothing though but it could be everything you know what i mean so it's like i always say you know comedy you want to go from a to b and there's a million different ways to get there i probably said that to you when we first had our meeting frankie that there's a million different ways to get there and you know there's no one right path comedy is such a fluid business and things change and it ebbs and flows and oh you know i started in just for laughs in like the mid 90s you know we were getting videotapes now it's like one click of a you know, an email with a link, you know, we used to yeah. sit in these screening meetings and watch videotapes on Tuesday night and order dinner for our programming team. Yeah. You know, so, so much has changed over the years um, with the comedy business. But at the end of the day, I think it's shown so much that people need to laugh and we've all been cooped up. And I mean, I think that's why Netflix and all these comedy specials are so important, but there's a live element that's missing. And I think everybody misses it from the comics going, you know, I've had some, I work with some comics who have been in the business for 30 something years. This is the longest they've ever gone without performing. And it's really affecting them mentally. It does. They're not going out every night. I mean, you guys know this, you're probably out every night at another club or we're out at a club every night you know, honing your skills, talking to people, meeting your friends, hanging out. That was like your life work, you know, networking. And now all of a sudden everything came to a a halt, basically. Yeah. And it's, it is a culture shock and it is, um, you know, it's definitely damaging for my mentality. You know, I know I quit, stopped doing comedy kind of early on. I stopped for like six months because I realized the the commitment that it was and the time it would take me away from my daughter and my husband. I was like, I can't do that. Um, you know, I don't have the right to do that as, as a mom. And then my husband noticed that I was like cranky and like irritable and just weird. He's like, I think you need to get back on stage. Like, I think you need to do that. And then when I got back, yeah, he's, we're not even going to sing his praises. He's <laughs> phenomenal. Yeah, he's a good dude. Um, you know, and then when I went back, I was like, okay, that is what I'm missing. And now being so separate from that, it's, it's painful. You know what I mean? Like it's difficult to survive it. So what you guys are doing more than necessary, it's appreciated. It's so beautiful. I love that it's women behind it. I mean, I cannot love that more. (laughs) The funny, the future, all of it is female. Like I just, it makes my heart explode. This podcast has been a big old. (laughs) <laughs> Big old love fest. Oh no, we love you too, Stephen. You know I, I. Yes, you know I'm this. Favorite I'm dressing the part. I guess yeah. I don't know. I, I do love that soft clothing. Yeah, women. Women right? have figured it out is... this. Oh, for sure. I'm yeah. about. 
Um, yo, this has been so much fun. This has been a big right. old love fest. Everybody just virtually hugging one another or punching each other in the face. Oh, As, um, I sincerely appreciate you guys. And um, yeah, we'll I think that that's the, back. Once the, when this, the more viewers we get, we're going to have you guys back and back and back. Yeah, We'd, for love sure. We'd love yeah. to. Anytime. Um, this is great. And then, so this is nonprofits. We do this every six, every Tuesday at 630. My name is Stephen Campbell. I'm Frankie French. Jared, can we play the song as we as we leave? Oh yeah, out? of course. That'd be great if we can. We can play. Da, 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 He's singing. Da, da. It's earwormy. Everybody learn the lyrics. Everybody sing. Oh, well, I I kind of just make it up as I go. Sometimes it's a oh, little more, not a little less. Just in between there. Oh, you got it. Sleigh bells ring the same in every single country. Every mall around the world, the Santa smells like lunch meat. This time of year, that special spirit's in the air. More gifting and regifting sweaters you will never wear. So thank you, Jesus, for the magical Christmas. Hashtag blessed. You did so good. It's no longer just for Christians. Buddhists, Muslims, Quakers, Wiccans, and even Jews. Travel each other at Walmart for a Vitamix because of you. Whether you're from Nashville, Toronto, London, or Kathmandu. Everybody everywhere around the world has a different Christmas point of view. can be everywhere at the same time. No, but I believe in the Santa that's puking on Hollywood and mine. Come on, Gary! I love when carolers sing Merry Christmas to you. Then quietly suppress their rage when you remind them Jesus was a Jew. I'm 72 and this season's a nightmare for I finally took a